There's not a more beautiful prayer than that. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Join me as we pray. Father, we, that is our prayer today, that you as our shepherd would lead us. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your presence in this place today. And may we honor and glorify you with everything that we think, say, and do in this place today and beyond this place. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us for worship today. Thank you for being here in this place. We're so glad to see some. This is your first time, and it was good to get to visit with some of you before the service. And we're grateful that you are here today, and all of you, and, and especially our guests. If we have any guests today, we welcome you. And I would remind you that if you, uh, after the service, go by the Welcome Center, there's a little area on the Welcome Center out here to my left that has little bags and has a gift in there for you and some other information. But you just grab that on the way out if you are a first-time guest. I will also call your attention to the little QR codes that are on the back of the pews and back of the chairs in the balcony. If you just kind of want to hold your camera up to that, it will give you some information about a Connect card you can fill out for us. And it will give you something uh, to look at our announcements and other things. So uh, feel free to do that and look at those things. But we're just glad you're here. Thank you for being here and joining us for worship. Why don't you stand and greet those around you with a wave, however you're most comfortable. And we'll join in singing, It Is Well With My Soul.
it is well because God has given his only son. You join as we continue to worship God in love.
Amen. You may be seated. Not yet I, but Christ in me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I shared at the early service that this category would uh, include most of us. Number one, you're here and you're searching. You've never given your life to Christ and you're looking for answers and looking to find hope, which we just sang about, or you're in the second group, you already are a Christian and uh, you're wanting to grow in your faith. You're wanting to, to learn how to be more like Jesus and to share with others the hope that we have in Christ. And so, however you've come today and whatever it is you're going through in whatever category you find yourself in, the fact is we all need him and we all need prayer and we all need his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy and his love. And every week there's an opportunity where we can humble ourselves before God and just cry out to him in praise and thanksgiving or to cry out to him in our great need and know that God can do all things. And in and through Christ, we can do all things. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. May we pray. God, what an honor, what a privilege it is to be in your house, to be able to sing praise to you until we don't have a voice. Thank you, O oh God, for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ. Thank you, O oh God, that we can come and worship you in this place. Father, thank you for folks that are worshiping with us online, virtually. Lord, I pray that whatever category we find ourselves in, whatever circumstance that we might be, that, Lord, you would meet us where we are in our suffering, in our pain, in our lostness, in our pride, in our guilt. Father, in our confusion, in our question, oh God, would you bring answer and peace and salvation and hope and comfort? God, I know there are many that are grieving today. Father, I pray for Lorene Heskett and the loss of her sister that you would bring comfort to she and her family. Father, I pray for Gwen Cobb and Gay Simpson and the loss of their aunt, that you would bring comfort to them. Lord, there are many here today, and their grief is still fresh. And I pray they might feel your love and your presence. Lord, I pray for others who are hurting God in another area. Maybe it is physical health. They're in pain. Oh, God, would you release them of this pain? We believe you have the power to heal. All things are possible for those who believe. Lord, I pray for others that are making important decisions. And I ask, oh, God, that your will would be done. And, Lord, that we could say, as this hymn of faith said, it is well with my soul. And Father, I pray for folks here that are searching and they've never 
given their heart and life fully surrendered to Jesus, or maybe they've never made that commitment public, I pray today that many would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and not be ashamed to take a stand for the one who took a stand for us when he died on the cross. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me and forgive us of any sin that would hinder your spirit. May we not quench the Holy Spirit or put out the Spirit's fire, but, Father, that we would keep in step with your Spirit. Lord, I just ask now that you would continue to be with our country and our world to bring healing and to bring spiritual awakening and renewal and revival. We need it, Lord. May people understand that, Jesus, you are our only hope. Lord, I pray that we would do our part in sharing the good news of Christ, yes, in our words, but more in how we live and how we treat people and how we respect one another and love one another. Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to move now. Thank you for the beautiful music that we've already shared and continue to sing through our musicians as they lead in a moment. And Father, speak through your word and through me. And God, when I am weak, then would I be strong in and through Christ. We love you, Lord, and we have already committed this service to you, thanking you in advance for the victories we trust you to bring. Help us, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5, and we'll just be reading one verse, and would you be in prayer for our uh, ensemble of our choir that will be here to lead us after the reading of God's Word. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the Word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you all so much for leading us. What a beautiful message that his love lifts us when our strength is not enough. I always like to share a little humor. Maybe you heard the story about a funeral that was taking place at the church. A, a woman had died recently, and after a beautiful eulogy, the pallbearers were taking the, the woman out in the casket, and, and one of the pallbearers kind of stumbled, ran into the wall, and it jarred the casket so much so that they heard a, a groan come from the casket. They set the casket down, and lo and behold, the woman was alive. And so she lived another 10 years, and then she passed once again. They were back at the same church having the funeral service. After another beautiful service, the pallbearers picked up the casket and leaving the church, her husband called out, watch out for the wall. <laughs> We've been told that all of our lives, haven't we? To watch out. Watch out for that hot pan when we were little. Watch out for that big dog. Watch out for... That storm, watch out for that oncoming car. Watch out for that kind of person. Watch out for that situation. Watch out for those people. We've all been taught most of our lives to watch out, haven't we? When we hear the word watch, it really means to be awakened or awake, to be awake. And uh, when we look at the word awake in Scripture, it's really a spiritual alertness. To be awake, to be watching. Many times in Scripture, it's coupled with the word pray. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wrote in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We, in this time in which we're living, have been watching for the Lord's return. We have been taught in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, to be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So how many of us were watching or prepared for what we've been through over this past year. How, how many of us could have foreseen what was going to happen, how our lives were drastically going to be changed? If you knew this was going to happen, I'd like to talk with you after the service because I sure didn't see it coming, and I doubt very many people did see it coming. But the fact is, as a result... We have suffered a lot, and it's taken its toll on every single one of us. Somebody's car alarm is going off right now. It's a little bow beep out in the parking lot. But the fact is, it's affected us, and as a result of the kind of pain we've been through, it's robbed many of us of our joy. 
We've thought that, hey, we're over all this and I feel okay, and then yet we still seem to be lacking joy. Over two weeks ago, we began a sermon series that was called The Summit of Joy, and we were looking in this wonderful sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5 called The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon where Jesus preached to his disciples and a great crowd that had gathered. And what he was doing is he was giving the standard of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a moral and ethical standard. Some thought it was too difficult to be lived out, and it can't be lived out outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus began this wonderful sermon with nine or eight rather characteristics or beatitudes is what they're called. And they all begin with the word blessed. Blessed we learned means joy or wholeness or well-being. And today we come to the second beatitude which says blessed are they that mourn for they will be comforted. Seems like a paradox, doesn't it? How, how can there be both crying and joy? How, how can you have gladness in the gall of sorrow? But yet, when we look at the word mourning, we come to learn that it means to feel deep sorrow, to have great concern. It means to uh, understand that we have some uh, existing sin or wrong in our lives, and we are sorrowful for it. And I pray today as we look at this second beatitude that God would speak to you and God would speak to me. There are many other types of mourning, but today we're going to look at three in particular. And the first kind of mourning when it says blessed are those that mourn is Mourning over the loss of a loved one. Mourning over the loss of a loved one. As I shared with you, we've had a lot of losses during this season. I looked up a statistic from the World Health Organization that across the world, due to this crazy virus, we've lost over 3.9 million lives worldwide. The CDC says in the United States, we've lost over 571,000 lives. In the state of Kentucky, over 6,400 lives. It's all affected us in some way. Not only have we lost lives to this pandemic, but we've lost many of our family members, church family, extended family, by other health issues or reasons. And I have to tell you, it's taken its toll on me and it's taken its toll on this church. I shared in the early service, not only have I lost personal loss in my family when we lost my dad in December, but we have lost so many faithful, active members from this church. And I have to tell you, when one of you all die, a part of me dies with you. You know why? Because when we love much, we hurt much. And when you truly love people, 
then a part of you goes when they go. And so to say that we're mourning over the loss of a loved one, how can we find comfort in the midst of our loss? Several years ago, I gave you some simple things that we can do to help us be comforted. Number one, I said, is to have tears, to have tears. You remember, and we shared this, I believe, even on Easter when Jesus lost his good friend Lazarus, and we look at how Jesus' sisters, or excuse me, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, were grieving and scolding Jesus. If you would have been here sooner, our brother wouldn't have died. And you remember that Jesus, after seeing their sorrow, in John chapter 11, verse 35, said, Jesus wept. So we know that Jesus cried. He, he felt deep sorrow. Even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus, he still was sorrowful because of their pain. He hurt with them. When we think about crying tears, I, I think about the psalmist when he said in, in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may last for the night, but joy or rejoicing comes in the morning. So we know that when we're in Christ, our, our sorrow is temporary, our mourning is temporary. We're going to see them again one day, and what a day that will be when we're in Christ. We read in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 4, after understanding that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, in verse 4 it says there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. And so I want to tell you today that if you're grieving over a loss, it's okay to cry. It's not a sign of weakness. I actually think it's a sign of strength that we are mature enough and we're self-secure enough that we can cry and not worry about what people think, that it's okay to shed tears. And maybe today, tonight, this week, maybe you need to have a good cry <laughs> because I believe that's our natural escape valve to release not only the grief, the pressures, the stress of life, it cleanses impurities out of our eyes so that we can see Jesus more clearly, gets rid of dirt, any obstacle, any hindrances, so we can focus on Jesus more. But not only do we find comfort in our tears, we find comfort in talk. What do I mean by that? The very first things I do when I am asked to do a funeral, even when I knew the person well, I will ask their family, would you be willing to share with me some personal stories about your loved one? And I always tell them they can be serious, they can be funny, hobbies, things they enjoy. What, and you know what happens when they begin to talk to me? They might start out crying, saying, I'm, I'm sorry, and I'll say, that's okay. And then before we get done, they're laughing about some funny memory that they remember their loved one. And that's therapeutic, isn't it? And I think about what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 3, when he said, Praise be 
to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So part of our ministry as Christians is trying to comfort others who are grieving or in troubled times to say, you're not alone because I know exactly what you're feeling because I've experienced loss too. I'm so grateful that we have a wonderful ministry at this church called Grief Share. And Grief Share is a ministry that supports people and encourages people when they have suffered loss. Watch this clip. Good morning. My name is Rita Jones, and I'd like to speak to you this morning about my experience with the program we offer here at the church called Grief Share. Grief is a very complicated journey that no one should ever travel alone. I came to Grief Share after losing my 53-year-old daughter, who was truly the light of my life, and I cared for her for five years through multiple events of life-threatening uh, issues, and then one day God called her home. I spent countless hours alone, which is the very thing you should never do. You never isolate yourself when you're in grief. You, you don't have to hide your tears. They are not a sign of weakness. I felt pressure to act like I thought everyone expected me to, even though I didn't know what that was. But I had fallen into a state of deep depression that I tried hard to hide. We need to not hide our grief, but to share it with others so that they can help us. But then someone told me about Grief Share, and I found my help. Joy and Gail took my hand and God's word and his love, and they walked me through this journey, helping me with each emotion as it surfaced. I praise God for this program, the two wonderful ladies that lead it, and this church that promotes it. If you have suffered a loss, whether it was a week ago, a month ago, maybe even 10 years ago, but you're still struggling with it, I urge you to take advantage of this program and the help it provides. It will restore joy and peace to your soul. You will always miss your loved one, but you can learn to grieve in a positive way. You don't have to be a member of this church to participate. It's free to anyone who would like to attend I promise you will receive a blessing and a path to true healing, God's healing. Oh, and by the way, Gail makes great cookies. Gail makes great cookies. That was what she said at the end. But when we talk, it's therapeutic. And I pray that today, if you are mourning, yes, you would have tears, you would have talk, and then lastly, that we would have time. You've heard that old saying, with time all wounds heal. Have you all heard that old saying before? That's, that's not completely true. With times all wounds heal if you have the right medicine. But with time, wounds can get infected and you can become sick from it because you didn't have the right medicine. And we know that the right medicine as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we read in Psalm 140, 
7, verse 3, it says that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He's the medicine. And so I hope today and pray that when we mourn over the loss of a loved one, we would find comfort that comes from our faith in God, our faith in Jesus Christ. But then secondly, we have the mourning over the lack of godliness. Mourning over the lack of godliness. And one only has to turn on the TV, look on social media, read the newspaper to understand that we're not living in a very godly world today. There's a lack of godliness. Dr. David Jeremiah defined godliness as living a fruitful, obedient, and faithful life for Christ. To live a God-like life, that's to be godly. And when we look at everything that's going on in the world, we, we look at the hate and the anger and the racism and the social injustice and the the moral and ethical laxness, when, when we look at the unforgiveness, when, when we look at all the finger pointing, when, when we look at, at all the uh, immorality, and when we look at all the murder, and we look at all the drugs and all the addiction, when we look at all of this, then we realize that we're not living in a very godly world. And I don't know about you, it breaks my heart. And I mourn when I look at the lack of godliness in our world today. And it should cause any Christian to mourn. And you say, well, we're mourning over this lack of godliness. Where do we find the comfort? Well, here's where we find the comfort. In a verse I've shared quite often out of John chapter 16, verse 33 Jesus told his disciples, and as I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Paul wrote in Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the renewing of your spirit. So we understand today that we mourn over the lack of godliness in our world in which we're living. Several years ago, my wife felt led of the Lord after much prayer to begin a women's conference. It's called Devoted. I remember like it was yesterday, my wife praying and planning with some of you and a leadership team and searching for God's will, and, and who, who can we ask to speak, and what, what direction does God want us to go? And, and it had to be a God thing that one morning, Kelly turned on the television just as she was doing some work around the house after the children had gone to school, and she saw on one of the morning news shows a woman who was being interviewed. That woman was Jenny Hubbard or Jennifer Hubbard. You might recall that Jenny Hubbard was one of the speakers at the very first Devoted Women's Conferences and then celebrating the five-year anniversary, she was invited to speak once again this past year in March virtually 
But as Kelly watched that newscast, that interview, you might recall that Jenny Hubbard had a six-year-old daughter named Catherine who went to school at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut. And you remember that a gunman came into that elementary school and took a lot of lives, killing many precious children, one of which was Jenny's six-year-old. She said it would have been easy for her to spiral into her anger and depression and resentment, but instead she clung to her faith in Jesus Christ. And even though she went through a series of emotions, she knew that the grace and mercy of God would sustain her and, and strengthen her. And because her daughter had a dream one day of having an animal shelter, Jenny Hubbard, along with the help of several supporters, opened up an animal sanctuary. Not only a place where animals could come and receive healing, but people with wounded hearts and grieving spirits because it was her little girl's dream to have an animal shelter one day. And so in memory of her precious daughter and because of her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is an animal sanctuary in Connecticut that ministers to people who are hurting and grieving and suffering. And so her daughter's memory lives on and her faith in Christ, she says, is what got her through that very difficult time. As a matter of fact, she's written a book that's just come out called Finding Sanctuary. And you might have to check it out as she shares her story of how God brought her through a very painful and difficult time. Here we have mourning over the lack of godliness in our world and how God brought comfort, and now she's comforting others with the hope that she has in Jesus Christ. But then lastly, there's mourning over the life of personal sin. There's life over the mourning of personal sin. And honestly, and we can agree to disagree, I think probably this is what Jesus is referring to the most out of this beatitude. I think this is the main point that he's wanting to make. Blessed are those who mourn. Remember I said the first definition of mourning was to uh, have deep sorrow. Second one was to have great concern. And the third was to deplore any uh, wrong action in my own life or to admit our own sin or shortcoming. And that's, I believe, exactly what Jesus was saying. We're supposed to mourn over sin in our lives. And when you look through scriptures, you see several people. Look at Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Isaiah had seen a vision, was found himself in the presence of the Lord. And he said in verse 5 of Isaiah 6, he said, woe to me. He, he cried, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He was real. The closer we are to God in his presence, the more aware we are of our sin and our lives. 
Uh, think about what David the psalmist, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, in Psalm chapter 51, verse 2, when he said, Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, this is crucial. Look at verse 17 of Psalm 51. He said, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. When we have a broken spirit, a bro you know what a broken and contrite heart is? It's a penitent, sorrowful heart. And look in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 10, when Paul said that the, the brokenhearted, when we have that brokenness or godly sorrow, brings repentance that leads to salvation. Did you hear that? Godly sorrow brings repentance, which leads to salvation. Godly sorrow is not when we're sorry when we got caught. Godly sorrow, I don't know how many times my wife has told my children, and I've echoed that too. I said, if you're really sorry, you're going to keep doing it over and over and over. You're going to quit aggravating your brother or aggravating your sister or saying that if you're truly sorry, then you're going to stop doing what you know is wrong. And that's repentance. You've seen me show it and say it. We're living like this. And when we repent, it's a change of mind, change of heart, change in direction. I used to live like this. That's behind me. I've turned away from it. And now I'm living this way. And you know what I think is the most beautiful example of that is the story of the prodigal son we're all so familiar with out of Luke 15. Father had two sons. The youngest son said, give me my share of the inheritance. He took his share, went off to a distant country, squandered all of his inheritance and wild living. We believe it was with prostitutes and every other kind of thing the world has to offer. It said after a famine came, he longed to eat the pods that the pigs were eating. He was that hungry. But it says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to eat? Here I am starving to death. This is what I'll do. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Make me as one of your hired men. Do you remember the beautiful part of that story? The father wasn't, Waiting on the porch. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for you, boy, to come home. You thought you knew it all, didn't you? Well, I guess you found out. It's not so pretty out there. It's an unfair world. He didn't do that. What did he do? The father was watching, and when he saw his son from a distance, he ran to his son he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And he said, bring the robe and sandals for a feet. Put a ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. This son of mine was, was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. And you know that that father represents God the Father. And that's how he treats us. And we've messed up in a royal way and we've sinned. He runs it. He doesn't sit there, mm-hmm. 
I'm preaching to you now, boy. He loves us, embraces us, and forgives us. And so let's celebrate for this sinner who repented. Maybe you're here today and you're full aware of the wrong in your life. You're full aware of the sin in your life. And you want to do something about it. I want to ask you, if, if you were to die tonight, would you know that you're going to heaven? You wouldn't believe how many people I've asked that question to through the years. And you know what I've heard people say? I don't know. I mean, I hope so. Well, I think so. I mean, I go to church. I believe as followers of Christ, we can have a peace and know for sure that we're going to be there one day. Not by anything I've done. We know it is by grace. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough. It's only through God's grace that we get to be in heaven one day. For God so loved the world, they just sang about, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's our hope. That's what brings us comfort. To know we're okay, we're mourning over my sin, I'm godly, sorrowful, but I'm repenting from it, I'm coming to you, and he will love you, and he will forgive you, and he'll wrap his arms around you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? No matter how bad we've been or how good we think we've been, we're all in need of God's grace. And I want to close by sharing a story I've shared with you all before, and and it, I mean, you've, you've heard me share this, but several years ago when Christian movies were just really starting to be, uh, come out and, and people were actually watching them, there was a movie that came out called Fireproof. Y'all remember that movie Fireproof? It had Kirk Cameron in it. And uh, it's a great movie. As a matter of fact, when I do pre-marriage counseling, I asked couples to watch that movie as one of their sessions because there are so many helpful, meaningful messages in that movie. Well, we showed that movie here. I mean, it wasn't out anywhere else. We had to buy a license to show it. We promoted it. And I have to tell you, we had so many people here that evening that there were people setting up in the balcony. I mean, it, maybe you were here, but it was a great crowd at church on an evening watching a Christian movie. And I remember like it was yesterday, I still visualize this in my head. I remember at the end of the movie, I came forward and I stood at this altar and offered an invitation. Now, I don't want to be a spoiler alert if you've not watched it, but Kirk Cameron was playing a young husband who he and his wife had split up and had a lot of issues they were dealing with. And someone had shared Christ with him and had given him a book called The Love Dare and a journal where he was trying to do these acts of love to his wife and she didn't know why he was just doing them. Well, anyway, Kirk Cameron comes to know Christ at the end of the movie. Very powerful, very moving. When I offered that invitation, 
There was a couple sitting up in the balcony over on this side. And there was a husband so convicted by the Holy Spirit that he got up and ran. Ran to the door down the steps and ran down this aisle and fell into my arms weeping, saying that he needed Jesus. And I praise God that through that Christian movie, that outreach to, we asked people to invite neighbors and, and community people. He came to know Jesus, and I baptized him up there in that baptistry. Big old guy. You know what? I'd love to see somebody run down this aisle today and say, I need Jesus in my life. Or someone that's watching at home to contact us and say, you know what? I've strayed away. I've tried the world's way, and I'm as empty as I've ever been. I know that there is a better way, and that's through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Aren't you ready today? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted through Christ. May we pray. God, I pray in the stillness of this moment that if there are any men or women or young people that have never given their life to you, and if they're not sure, Lord, if they were to die tonight, if they would go to heaven, I pray that you would give them the blessed assurance. And we know, God, it is a leap of faith. None of us are perfect. My friend didn't run out of the church and try to get all cleaned up and then come back. He, he came as he was, and he received God's grace and God's salvation. Godly sorrow brings repentance, which leads to salvation. Lord, maybe there are some of us that need to repent today, repent from the wrong heart, the wrong spirit, a negative spirit. Father, we know that you said in your word that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but mark this, in the last days there will be terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, arrogant, ungrateful, unholy, not obedient to their parents, without love, rash, conceited. And Lord, we know it says that they would have a form of godliness, but denying its power. And we know, God, that that describes our world today and the time in which we're living. So as a result, God, we know we need to come to Christ and have a fresh start and receive the power of your spirit to help us to live the kind of life you would have us to live. Give us that kind of strength to come to you today or Christians that have grown complacent or cold, rekindle the flame and bring them back or folks that are looking for a church home, a church family. May they find a supportive, loving family here. However you lead, God, may we be willing to give it all to you, even now, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you, if you're in this place, to stand, and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you would like to make a decision for Christ, it would be my joy, my privilege to pray with you.
If you're watching at home, contact our church office. We'll contact you, pray with you. Folks have joined this church online. However the Holy Spirit leads, won't you surrender it all to him, even now as we sing together. Amen. I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us, whether it be in person or online. Thank you so much for worshiping. Some of you, your first time back, it's great to see you back. I've missed all of you so much. Thank you for worshiping online. I shared this with the early service. Of course, don't forget, each Sunday you receive, if you're on our email list, 
discussion questions. This is to help you discuss this message more and how God is using it for your growth. Uh, really, this is a way just to grow deeper in your faith and with others. Please be in prayer for me and our church as we continue to navigate through this season. And I'm asking you all to pray for me and us because I'm really looking for God's will to be done in our church and what vision, what church is going to look like going forward. There's no doubt there's some changes that we've needed to make, and I'm looking for how we can, you know, change this for change's sake is meaningless, but when there's needed change going forward, just be in prayer as we're praying about how God is leading us and what his perfect will is for this church because I, I sure appreciate need your prayers. It's tough uh, still, and when we can, uh, I guess, get some of these restrictions, you know, lift a little bit more as many are getting your vaccinations. And, you know, I, I can't wait to see this place filled with people hugging each other and loving on each other well, some of us have been doing that anyway, but anyway, shh. But the fact is, God is still in control. And as a sister in Christ sent me recently to stand firm, we continue to stand firm on our faith in Jesus Christ, and he will see us through. There's no doubt. So continue prayers. Don't forget to join us for worship virtually on Wednesday at 6. And again, we pray in the near future we're going to have some uh, opportunities where we can come back together. And it may not look the same, but we are seeking God's will. So thank you for being here. And at this time, Bill is going to lead us in a closing song. Don't forget how much God loves you, and we love you too. Thank you and may God bless you.